All right. Check. Oh, check. I'm starting. Check. What are we talking about today? We're doing good. Check. We're doing good. So we're talking about. Check, check. We're going to uh, just ignore that other microphone and we'll just hand this one back and forth today and go from there. How's that sound? That work? That work for you guys up there? All right. We're going to do that then. Check, 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 check. Okay. We are talking about restoration is the series we are in. And today we are talking about church uh, restoration. And we had a bit of a shift about what we were talking about this morning, but um, I don't know. We'll just get started and see where things go. How's that sound? Am I starting this? Okay. <laughs> we had we started this discussion Wednesday morning on online. Um, and, and I just feel drawn to kind of go back through that a little bit. One of the things that, that we talked about is is the um, the progression of of getting to a place where church needs restoration. And it was um, that tolerance that, that gets things started, what we tolerate. And then there is, there is an affirmation uh, in, inside of that. You know, you start to, to affirm what is being tolerated. You may not totally agree with what you're affirming, but there's still an affirmation there in words. And from there, it moves into acceptance. So you start to accept what has been tolerated and then you start to adopt it. You start to take it on as your own, part of your own identity. And that's where, that's one of the things we talked about on, on Wednesday and, and how we get to a place where church needs restoration. And I, I thought this was an, was an interesting thing because when I originally, when, when God was originally dropping that into me, compromise was in there. But the entire thing is compromise from start to finish. There's not one aspect where you can say, oh, compromise is in here. Compromise was at the very beginning when you started to tolerate whatever, whatever it was. Compromise moves a step further when you start to affirm whatever that sin is. It, it continues a step, step further as you start to accept it. And then you're just fully immersed as you adopt it and take it on as your own, yeah. into your own self. And, and with the church what we're seeing with the ecclesia is, is this is causing a fracturing. It's fracturing the body and we start to look like Frankenstein's monster of pieced together bits and parts of, of Jesus here, some of the world there, and this mixture happens and we lose effectiveness. There's no more power inside of the church. There's no more um, solutions being released out of the church like there should be. That should be what the church is giving us. We, as the church, as the body of Christ, should be releasing power and releasing solutions to problems that the world faces. Instead, we're, we're just creating more problems with infighting and then swinging from one side of tolerance 
to another, we, we, we tolerate um, extreme exclusion on, on one end and try to say we're excluding sin over here. When in reality, what we're doing is we're looking at people and judging them and, and pushing them and keeping them out in a way. And then the other side is we swing all the way over and now everything is tolerated. And, and this is one of the things that Jesus didn't do, right? He loved people. We know that. He dined with sinners. He embraced them. He was walking with them all the time. But there was, there was never uh, sin left there. He didn't leave them in that place. There was a transformation that took place. And so uh, that, was, that was something we talked about Wednesday, and I think it's important to, to continue to look at as we think about re- restoring church, restoring the ecclesia, the body of Christ. Not, not denominationally. We, we, we here are called to tear down denominational walls. That's part of who we are here at Unedited Life is... is not the non-denominational denomination, but the, the bridge to, to, well, not even a bridge to, to bring them together, but really to tear down those walls of, of these things that we say, oh, we believe this, uh, and, and you don't, so we're going to do our own thing over here. That's not what it's about. It's about the fullness of who we are in Christ. And if that isn't released, then, um, then you're being contained. Yeah. Can I just jump in really quick and say something? This is something that, that I feel like the Holy Spirit just dropped this morning as we began worship. And that song is just so, so powerful. And I love the line, you know, you can, you can put me anywhere. I'll serve you anywhere. And that's actually not our posture towards God. And, And this is what he was saying on the backside of that is that you're flirting with obedience and serving um, and, and serving uh, temptation. You're flirting with obedience and serving temptation. And that's what keeps us so contained as, as his body. I mean, this is, this is God's survey of his own body, right? Is that we are flirting with obedience and serving temptation. And that's why we can't get beyond the church doors, right? We get hyped up while we're here on any given Sunday and we go out there and temptation is there to meet us. And so we've got it flipped, right? We, we've got it flipped around. Temptation isn't going anywhere, right? But we need to flip the whole thing on its head and begin to serve obedience. We need to serve obedience. What does that look like for us? I, I, I can't answer that for us as individuals. But I, I know what it looks like, what it feels like to want to walk in radical obedience that's not to say that there's not temptation to veer because there is, there has been. We've been at this now for three and a half years and there has been temptation to veer off this road of radical obedience. There's been a temptation to go, yeah, that wasn't really God's voice, right? And this is how we get ourselves into compromise. And this is how we find ourselves in a space of tolerance because we aren't willing to be as radically obedient as we give voice to, right? And so we have to somehow shift out of this mindset that we're of serving the temptation. And you see it everywhere. You know, we, we're, we're a small body and we're probably split down the middle. 
of those who are walking in a radical obedience and those who are serving temptation. You know? And that's sobering. I don't know if it's sobering for you. It's sobering for me. I, you know, some people will be like, okay, how, what, how do I know if I'm, sorry, <laughs> how do I know if I'm radical or how do I know if I'm, I am serving obedience? And <laughs> I just think, are you comfortable? Then you're probably not serving <laughs> obedience. <laughs> uh, it was funny when Pepper came up and, you know, said, I'm going to sing in tongues and you're interpreting. I was like, okay, let's do this. But that should have been my testimony this morning because not too long ago I'd been like, and I'd be afraid that God wouldn't have met me there. But every time you just step out in obedience and you do what he's asking, which will make you uncomfortable, he just meets you there. And it's, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, comfortable? Mm-mm. Oh, what a challenge. That's good. <laughs> I feel challenged by that. Yes. <laughs> it, I hope you're really paying attention to what, uh, what both of them are saying, uh, especially about, you know, flirting with obedience and serving temptation and, and the idea to, to flip this over and not worry about temptation at all, but really start serving obedience. This is an invitation right now to start taking action, to move forward. That's what this is, right? We talked about that, uh, uh, that path uh, of tolerance, affirmation, acceptance, adoption. There's, a, there's another way to go is we can look at what God is saying to us together in, in, in union, in our oneness, and individually as well. And, and this is an invitation. But on the backside of the invitation, you know, there's always that RSVP, right? You need to accept the invitation or not. It's up to you to accept it. Either way, there, there's, a, there's an action taken there. You're either going to accept it or you're not. If you do, you can move on to, to an encounter. You can expect that on the backside of your quick obedience in saying yes to what it is that God's act, asking you, there is going to be an encounter. That he's going to drop the grace and the power into you that's needed to do what it is that he's calling you to do. And then you can expect that there is a transformation that starts to take place over and over again as he calls you to new levels of glory and and calls us as the ecclesia to new levels of glory. There is a transformation that takes place. On the outside, we may look the same, and the spirit will be unrecognizable. Yeah. Because we will continue to grow, we will continue to look different. And, and when you start to see this transformation, this is where you get to step out and lead and you start to see replication. You start to replicate the kingdom in others. You get to open it up like what Angie's doing this morning for each of us here. Instead of serving temptation, start serving obedience. This is an invitation for you now. This is replication taking place. That's so good. You what? Yeah, no, I love it. Um, And so how many of us want to see a greater glory, right? Like if there is a single hand, I'm coming, 
better get your hand up. So the thing is, is like that is what, what was put on display here is a measure of glory that God was releasing through Robin and Pepper, right? Like that, that was a measure of glory that he was releasing. And, and if we want to see those greater things, then we have to align with obedience. It looks like something. Obedience looks like something. And it isn't comfortable. It's not. I, I love it. That, I mean, you like called us all out. Like if you're comfortable, well, then um, you might be flirting with temptation, right? You know, um, when, trust me, it isn't comfortable, you know, trying to get people people that don't want to, it, that's hard. And it was so funny because as you guys started to be obedient and started, I could feel it. I could feel it. And it spurred me on, you know, in the spirit to go deeper, deeper. And then as I think as I did, then you reciprocated. And it was just like this wonderful, like, yes. No, that's powerful. So uh, where I was going with that is that, you know, it, and we were talking downstairs, we were talking about what this is actually going to look like is like obedience requires others, right? Like if Robin comes and she tells me, I feel like God is, is telling me to do this. Uh, gosh, now I'm accountable to hold her accountable. Right. And, and that isn't always fun. Can I just say it sucks sometimes having people have the knowledge of who you are that, that are willing to actually hold you accountable to it. It's not fun. It's not fun to be the sharpener, and it's not fun to be the one that's sharpening. It's, it's uncomfortable both ways. But what I feel like God was saying, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, and we love to quote 1 Corinthians 13. We love to talk about what love is, right? But what we don't understand is in order for love to keep no record of wrong, love has already acted. Love is not going to allow somebody to flirt with temptation when love has knowledge of the person. Right? So if I know that I know the call on Robin's life and I see her flirting with temptation, love's response is knock it off. You know what I'm saying? Because then love. Stop it. Stop it. He says that on a regular basis. <laughs> I have two words for you. <laughs> exactly. It is effective. <laughs> So if we want to be people who are not keeping record of wrong, we have to be also willing to hold one another accountable to the call, which, again, is uncomfortable. Um, right now, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to lead a, a church and to hold everybody to the fire, right? Like, that's easier said than done. It's, it's a lot easier to have this picture of what it is that God wants and, um, and then to actually step out and do it because... People don't want to be told what to do, bottom line. They do and they don't. You know, if, if it has to do with accountability, they don't want to be told what to do. But if it has to do with getting to take advantage of the glory in the room, they want to be told what to do. So it's kind of like this catch-22 where it's like, okay, how do, how do I best wield these tools that you've given me, people, right, to, to further the kingdom, to further his government? Because that's the job right? That's the job. It's to, to, to bring honor and glory to his name so that his kingdom spreads throughout the earth, right? He wants the knowledge of his glory to cover the whole earth like the water covers the sea, right? How do we get there? By holding one another accountable. And I have a feeling that you have things to say. About holding people accountable? Oh, yes. 
got all kinds of things to say about sharpening. And, and I've talked about some of this before. Um, if you're talking about what we discussed earlier, yes, um, I, I'm going to get to that. Sharpening process, everybody knows that to sharpen a piece of metal takes friction, right? It's, it's not, um, not going to be a comfortable thing for that piece of metal to be sharpened because there is, is an element of taking some away from that. And there's some heat and friction. So we were having a discussion this morning before, before church got started. And Pepper said something about uh, striking while the iron's hot. And, and part of the, the pace that we're moving at and, and just understanding when to strike when the iron's hot. And it, it got me thinking about um, the importance of that and the importance of, of getting the iron to the right temperature and then taking it out and what, it, what happens when you need to shape metal. It has to get heated up. And if we're talking about iron, that's somewhere around 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Hot, right? Really hot. But then to actually shape it takes a violent action with a big hammer. It takes a pounding over and over again to get it into the shape that it needs to be into of whatever shape you're, you're, you're moving that metal to become. And this is something that I know everybody can feel and kind of understand as we've gone through the last few months. It hasn't necessarily been a comfortable time. There's been a lot happening where we are being moved and shaped in a different way. There's that, that heating up process. And when the, the iron is hot at the right temperature, that's the time that it needs to be struck. And there are those hard blows that come down to move it around. But then there's the, the other side of this coin where, where we're talking about 50% serving temptation and, and some serving obedience. Those flirting with obedience but serving temptation are dragging their feet. And what's happening is, is the metal's losing temperature. It's losing heat. It's not going to be at the right temperature to strike. And, and in dragging your feet, and you're thinking about working metal, when it cools down, if you strike it with the same force that you would when it's at the right temperature, it just breaks. It becomes brittle. The structure of it changes, and it's brittle, and it gets broken. We've talked about, we've talked about quick obedience before in the full glory and power that God intends to release through quick obedience through whatever it is he's calling to you is at its full weight with an immediate yes when you when you're delaying and not saying yes, when, when you don't take that step forward, it's disobedience. We're just going to call it what it is. If God's calling you into something and you just choose not to 
to say yes and not to step into that, it's disobedience. Let me just say something on that. And this is something we've talked about before, but delayed obedience actually causes us to lose the power of glory, right? So there is a measure of glory on every ask. Can we say it that way? There's a measure of glory on every ask. And when we delay, we allow that measure to decrease significantly. Typically, we wait until it is gone completely before we cross that threshold. And then there's no power on it. This is why we don't see the kingdom advancing effectively. Because we wait till there is diminished glory to do anything about what it is that he's asked us to do. And, and Rebecca King has actually upped the ante on obedience to where she's calling it absolute obedience. You know, any good prophet would do that. <laughs> absolute obedience just trumps radical obedience in, in my estimate. Because it's absolute It means I'm not allowing any measure for dragging my feet. It means I'm going to do whatever it is. I'll serve you anywhere, right? I could be in the bathroom and realize this bathroom's a wreck. Perhaps I should do something about it. I'll serve you anywhere, right? And that's a really low-level example, but you understand what I'm saying, is that there is a measure of glory released if he's actually bringing it to my attention to do something about the dirty bathroom. we're talking about restoring the church and I was thinking about uh, being raised in the church and, and just all the different types of churches I've been to. And I was asking Jesus, what is the common denominator on these really like exploding and then all of a sudden fizzling out and dying? And I really feel like it is that, um, as soon as you, you know, when a church is started, there's great excitement. There's, you know, they want to do, you want to do anything for God. And then he starts asking the hard stuff because he's not going to leave you in these, in the baby infant stage. He's going to push you. He wants you to grow so that you can experience that glory. And I thought, you know, um, some, some of us in the beginning, if God were to really bring his glory, we'd die because we're just, we're not ready. And so, you know, if we really want to see a move of God, we will have absolute obedience because otherwise it's fizzling out and it's going to die because God won't let it survive. If it's wrong, if it's not his will, he's not going to let it go. So it's so funny. I'm like, God, why did it take till I was 47 to figure that out? <laughs> you know, I wish I would have done it sooner. But, you know, a lot of you are really young and you can go so much further, you know, than even us. That's good. Um, we, we talked also about pace this morning. You mentioned cadence and army speak. And this is one of those things where it's, uh, it's interesting to me when we start using these terms. Uh, do we really understand cadence and what that means? Uh, because really there are just two cadences when it comes to uh, when it comes to the army, there's quick time and a double time. Quick time, you're just marching. Double time, you're running. And the the interesting thing about both those is they're both moving forward. They're not standing still, not moving backwards, always forward. 
it's something interesting to, to remember when we start talking about pace and thinking about the rhythm that God has us moving in. The individual rhythm that you're moving in, look around, see how it complements someone else. See how it can bring someone else along. Because your individual rhythm isn't just for you, isn't just for, for, for your own little bubble. It's for everyone. We go back to the beginning of what we were talking about, about sharpening. That's got to be for everyone. If, if it's true that iron sharpens iron, then we are all coming in with something to be able to sharpen one another. So don't stay in your, your little three-foot world. Well, and the same is true for, for whatever it is that, that is on your life. Whatever kingdom thing there is on your life, I should have access to. Right? But we put up so many barriers. Like, I feel like even in the room right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to walk you through. Can I narrate some things going on in the room right now? Yes. <laughs> there, there is caution coming at me. Right? This is not from God. This is, this is a demonic influence that's coming at me, wanting me to be cautioned at how far we can go in this conversation about union, about oneness, about being together as one body, right? Because it drives the enemy batty when we start talking about union because separation is the game, right? Anything that can cause us to believe that we are separated from one another and between us and God. That's the idea, right? That, that's the big lie is that there is separation. And so I'm feeling these, you know, the fiery darts headed for me going like, be careful, be, be cautious, don't go too far. No, we are going to go too far. We are. We're going we're gonna to cross that line. We're going to cross that cautionary tale that there is a too far. There isn't. In the kingdom of God, there isn't a too far. We can't get to the end. And it is our job to steward well the union that is intended for the ecclesia, which means we have to have intimate knowledge of one another and not feel ashamed about it. Right? If I don't have intimate knowledge of Christy, I can't spur her on. When I try to sharpen her, I will break her. You know? We have to have intimate knowledge of one another to be able to, to know when we're hiding. You guys, if you don't know when I'm hiding, you're all in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's true. If you don't know when I am hiding, if you don't know when I'm shrinking back, we are all in trouble as an organization. Who's going to call me out? That's a problem. That's a problem. You have to know me intimately enough to know if I am, for whatever reason, trying to shrink back or hide. What am I hiding from? What has entered into my life that is scary? I need somebody to come in with their weapons and knock that thing out. See, I'm not going to have the power to overcome everything. That's why we're a body. You know? This is where the restoration is coming in this season, is where we are going to have to 
be forced to be more open and honest about what it is that we're really dealing with. Now, this is not me giving you permission to whine. Seriously, I'm not. I'm not giving you permission to whine, but I'm giving you permission to be honest. Hey, this is a real thing going on in my life. And then my job is to actually, our job is to actually get beside you and we're going to create a space of praise so that Jesus Christ can be enthroned in that place so the kingdom of God can infiltrate and we see the kingdom advance. That's our job. And here's the deal. Like, we are moving. Here at Unedited Life, we have been in a very prophetic season for three years. Very prophetic. Everybody gets to prophesy. Right? That's where we've been. But God is moving us into an apostolic season. And here's the thing. If you don't know what's going on, if you're not in tune or in the rhythm of God's heart, you're going to be agitated and want to leave. If you are not right now praying for the apostolic people in your life, you're missing out. I am not kidding you. I I need us all to be praying over the apostolic. Now, every one of us are going to have some apostolic DNA in us, but that doesn't make you an apostle. We have an apostle in this house, and we need you to be praying for him. Okay? When God is shifting into a new season and it has everything to do with the fivefold, there is pressure that comes against that person that is carrying that glory. Can we talk about it like that? Because it is. Being a fivefold person is like being a glory dispenser. Yes? And so there is pressure that is coming against the, the, the apostolic people in this season. So we need more than ever for people to be pressing in and praying, just really contending. And if you don't know how to do that, see Pepper. She'll give you a quick lesson on how to intercede on behalf of someone because we need the full-on expression of the apostolic in this season because this is what God has said to me. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. We'll talk about that later. But what he, has, what he said to me was that you have been an informational center and now I need you to be a center of action. And that is only brought about by the apostolic. You know, prophets can, can, can create some action, but mostly they're just relaying information, right? I'm not saying prophets don't do anything. Please don't misunderstand. But God's observation of what's been going on is that we have been informational centers. Let me tell you about you, right? And then there's very little action that is lived out on the backside of that. Have I teed you up? One of the things from the the word for this year that I want to highlight right now is God was saying, I am building in this season, laying a foundation in your minds and your hearts, a work that will translate within my footstool, within the earth, right? Here's the part I want you to catch. Keep perspective of me, who I am. Qualify me with every step. Remember my, my majestic ways. Recognize my moods and mannerisms. Memorize my facial expressions. This is very important because... In those times of intimacy, you should be doing those very things. Really looking at the perspective of God, looking at his mannerisms, 
the way his face is, the way he moves. You remember Jesus talking about, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. This is the action that you're being called into right now. You're going to accept the invitation of, of what's it called? Uh, absolute obedience. Or you're not. It doesn't change how much God loves you. So, so don't hear that. That's not the message that I'm trying to get across to you right now. What I'm trying to get across to you right now is there is there's an action that needs to be taken to where you press into intimacy and see what it is that God's doing. Hear what it is that he's saying. And be willing to go out and mirror that wherever you go, in whatever situation, in the, the petty obedience things, right? In, in the, even the smallest of things, there is radical obedience. Don't sit around and wait for somebody else to do it for you. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to get up and take action yourself. That's it. The only thing that I would add on to the end of that is that we all miss out on an expression of the Father when you sit and do nothing. When you refuse to live in this absolute obedience, we all miss out. There is an expression of the Father that goes missing. See, I'm not above manipulation. <laughs> It's good manipulation. That's not manipulation. That's just <laughs> reality. It is. It's, it's the reality that we live in as part of the kingdom. We, we miss out when somebody else doesn't show up in fullness. Yeah. Can you just pray for us? Yes. I think y'all should stand for this. Yes, please stand. Yeah, you too, little ones. Go ahead and stand up. And, and big ones. Jesus, I thank you for what you have released here this morning. I thank you for stirring us away from flirting with obedience. into actually being obedient, into having that be the, the, the lead. I thank you for the invitation to go deeper into individual intimacy. I thank you that we are being spurred on through that to bring a sharpening to one another. I just thank you for the opportunity for, for us this morning to, to bring this invitation of sharpening to everyone here.
I look forward to, to seeing your face, to studying your mannerisms, to, to listening intently to your words. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just entice each and every one of the people that are listening today, even to those who aren't, to, to come into that deep intimacy to study the Father. Let us take action and not just be looking for information. Let us take hold of the information and do something with it. Jesus, thank you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Um, before you, before you clap, um, I, I want to actually ask for the commitment to strike while the iron is hot. You know, whether whether you're in the room or you're online, I want you to either type it in. I'm committed to striking while the iron is hot. If you're here, I want you to actually go and tell as many people as you can that you're committed. If you're not, don't say a thing. But if you're committed to holding one another accountable to the call of God on their lives for the advancement of the kingdom, tell as many people as you can.